Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, Australian Grand Prix edition. Now, if you're watching us on video, you will already see that something is missing. And that something missing is the founder, Tom Bellingham. He unfortunately saw Max Verstappen retire and decided to hand in his notice. And he is therefore never coming. <laughs> no. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, Tommy is just away for a little while. So it's just myself and Katie uh, for this particular podcast. But don't worry. Yeah, we've got the WTF on author right here, right now. Katie, how are you doing? I'm good. Do you know what? I'm surprisingly awake and, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? Well, clearly not. My brain's not engaged. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> but my body's awake. awake. <laughs> no other vocabulary um, available. <laughs> no. Considering, yeah, like we said just before this, you know, I've been getting up at 3 a.m. for the last few days and I'm not a morning person. So that was a struggle. But yeah, I'm not feeling too tired, but I'm sure it'll kick in at some point. <laughs> So as you just mentioned, we are live streaming to Team WTF1, who saw some preamble before we went live. So welcome to our Team WTF1 uh, individuals watching at the moment. If you want to join Team WTF1, there's a link in the description where you can watch this podcast live on a Monday, rather than saying, oh, why is this podcast so late on a Tuesday? It comes out on a Tuesday on YouTube. So there you go. This podcast is also, once again, sponsored by Elgato. They are our season-long partners, and they are making us as professional as we possibly can with the waffle that comes out of our mouths. So all the audio, everything that you see and hear uh, is thanks to Elgato. So big shout out to them. Um, but yeah, t- Team WTF1, I've already shouted you out. WTF1.com forward slash Team WTF1. Anyway, enough, enough waffle. No, we're starting the waffle. Three word race reviews from the fans. Billy Ash 21, I am tired. I can, I can vibe with that one. Ronalds with four S's. Red Bull Power Pains. Brash Axav, super tight midfield, and Max underscore Dorbass, first grand slam. Yes, I'm tired. There's definitely some power. Obviously, that's a play on Red Bull Power Trains for those that you know, maybe don't know the exact Not. RBPT um, <laughs> abbreviation. Um, super tight midfield. Yet yeah, midfield was absolutely the best part of that race. And the first grand slam, of course, for Charles Leclerc, the first pole fastest lap and win of his career and i'm here to bask in it without Tommy <laughs> being here so, which is which is a shame isn't it great shame i'm sure he's got to be shame. missing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's just there like i put my feet up it's absolutely fine uh, katie why don't you give me your i was gonna say us me your three-word race review please I will. So I've gone for Ferrari Mixed Weekend, which is obviously relating to Charles Leclerc having a pretty much seamless, smooth weekend. It's a tiny, tiny little error after the end of the second safety car. But apart from that, that was like the only blip. And yeah, just a stunning weekend from him. As you said, first time that he's got fastest lap pole position, won the race in his career. First time since Alonso in 2010, I think it was in Singapore. So for a Ferrari driver. Um, And then you look at Carlos Sainz and oh my goodness, what an absolute stinker of a weekend he had. Really unfortunate in qualifying. He just missed out on setting a time after a red flag was flown and then they couldn't get the car started. So he missed out on the time slot that he wanted. So he didn't get a chance at second run. And then come race day, apparently they had to change the steering wheel right beforehand. So then the setup wasn't right for him. And it was just one problem after another. And then he said, you know, I just pushed too hard too early. And then he basically beached it in the gravel in his weekend was over so 
two very different sides of the scale. Yeah, you had uh, maximum points on Charles Leclerc's side, zero points uh, for Carlos Sainz. And yeah, there were a huge amount of problems. He was so unlucky to not get that first lap uh, in Q3. I think he missed it by a second or two before he would have probably popped himself in second or third uh, for the race on Sunday. Lots of problems thrown his way. I think the, the thing for me is that, yeah, you know, a lot of drivers, I'm sure, go through a lot of problems, uh, but he, it clearly affected him a little, affected him a little bit because he went into the race, he fell like a stone because of his steering wheel not being set up properly, and then pushed too hard and was out of the race. Like, that mistake is, you know, I'm not going to judge him for the entire season, but that is the kind of mistake he can't be making at the start of the season when Charles Leclerc is, quite frankly, doing the business mm. on the other side of the garage, 71 points. Uh, Tommy did an amazing tweet the other day saying that Charles Leclerc could be winning the Constructors' Championship on his own at the moment so that kind of just shows the level. Did you Tommy's account and post that? <laughs> I, I didn't but uh, I was a big fan so clearly the propaganda is working. It's uh, slowly working. starting to do yeah. Charles Leclerc tweets uh, but you know we've, we've been saying in the first two podcasts haven't we that Carlos Sainz wants to be in this championship fight he wants to be you know mixing it with Leclerc and, and potentially at one to, at one point Ferrari have to back him because he's the leader in the championship but that is not happening and if anything he's starting to become this Bottas figure already a little bit. I'm not saying he is officially Valtteri Bottas number two, you know, kind of vibes, but he's going to go that way very quickly. If Leclerc 71 points down the road and continues to extend his lead and signs maybe creeps in a few errors, isn't as quick as Charles, which we haven't seen him be quicker than Charles really over the first three, three races. So it's uh, it's a difficult one. Uh, there's a question from Abe Barkas. Is the pressure starting to get to signs already? Will he be able to get his head on straight and start challenging Leclerc like last year? Yeah, there were, again, there was another Tommy tweet, actually, that he put out maybe a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, whatever it was, that said that the, the bandwagon of, oh, Carlos Sainz is better than Charles Leclerc has gone very quiet quite quickly. Um, so, again, Tommy really falling for my uh, my messaging. Planted the seed, I have. Uh, but it is interesting, the, the pressure side of things. You know, you, you, there wasn't as much pressure last year. This year, Carlos Sainz knows that that Ferrari can challenge for a championship. Is it the pressure? It's, it's too soon to really tell, but clearly he does get quite, I would say, a bit hot-headed. You know, in, even even his, in his interviews, Carlos is quite like, I'm angry, I need to go to sleep, and then tomorrow I'll feel better sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, maybe the mentality needs a little bit adjusting for Carlos uh, for the rest of the season. That's very much my vibe. As soon as anything doesn't go well, I'm either like, I need a cup of tea, I need to calm down, or it's just, I need to go to sleep. Like, there's no in between. So I can relate to Same. Carlos very much. And that's much why we're not that. professional sports people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's the only reason, though, you know. Um, but yeah, when you look at the Drivers' Championship, Leclerc on 71 points, Science, he's in third, but he's on 33 points. So quite the gap already after just three rounds. I don't know if necessarily the pressure is starting to get to Science already. I think we've seen moments throughout the season so far obviously even in Bahrain like he had a decent weekend there and um he still was beating himself up about it he's much like the rest of the drivers you know a total perfectionist and he's got to have that belief in himself that he can beat Charles so the fact that we've got now three races into the season and everyone's like Charles Leclerc's gonna be champion this year Charles Leclerc Charles Leclerc Charles Leclerc he must feel like oh for goodness sake like I want that. I want that. I want that spotlight. I want people to be talking about, talking about me like that, that I'm going to win a championship this year. And yeah, perhaps it was just the frustration of the team not working quite as well as he wanted. Obviously, 
we know how much Mattia Binotto loves Leclerc. It's very much the similar kind of relationship as Toto has with Lewis, I think anyway, and Horner has with Verstappen. So maybe there's a little bit of jealousy behind the scenes and he wants to sort of prove that he's the, the star in that team and he's the one that should be getting this attention. But yeah, unfortunate for him that it was kind of a mix of team mess ups and then he himself kind of put the final nail in the coffin by pulling a move that he's lucky he didn't get wiped out by another car with that um, lap two maneuver but yeah putting himself in the gravel um, and generally like quite a rare mistake for science you know it brought an end to I think it was 31 consecutive finishes in Formula One and then 17 consecutive point scoring results so you know it's not like he's doing this every weekend and we should all be really worried for him it was just like a rare mess up but still it shows in the championship points it does yeah and, and I guess that's my point really it's not uh, slating Carlos Sainz to the extent where it's like oh he's a terrible driver he is bidding every weekend that's not the case as you say you know he was decent in Bahrain obviously wasn't again on the on the race pace of of Leclerc um and and then it's just when you're when you're measuring someone in the midfield, you go, oh, they're scoring points every weekend. That's really good. When you're measuring them in the championship fray, you go, well, you've you've just lost a huge haul of points. Do you want to be considered a challenger or not? So it's just something that Carlos. I don't. I don't think it's pressure. I don't, I don't think it is. If anything, Charles Leclerc on his on his side of the garage has much more pressure than Carlos Sainz. Where I don't think a lot of people are expecting him to win the championship. So. Well, time will tell as to whether or not Sainz will, will pick himself back up, but uh, he certainly needs to stop being so hard on himself. Both of them are so hard on themselves. Leclerc's the same, isn't he? But uh, maybe it maybe it works for some and doesn't for others. Uh, Team WTF one member F Saba, do you think the Ferrari will be able to keep up this pace throughout the season, or do you think the likes of Mercedes will catch up? I I, I feel like Mercedes are inevitable, and I think that they will at some point put an upgrade on that car and it will fix everything and they will be the fastest team. I am convinced that some point this year, Mercedes will be the fastest team. How soon into the season? Who knows? And that's going to be very, you know, dependent on who wins the championship, isn't it? So I think Ferrari can definitely stay on the pace. They seem to be the ones that have a handle of that car much better than the, the other front running teams. You know, Red Bull have a quick car, but very fragile, clearly. Whereas Ferrari... At the moment, touch, well, that's not wood, but I'm going to touch my head instead, <laughs> uh, seem to have a reliable and fast car. So for me, I don't see why we should doubt them at any point just yet. Now, I think you're right in that, like you say, Mercedes, they're consecutively won the Constructors' Championship eight times in a row. You don't do that through just luck or a fluke or anything like that. They're an incredibly hardworking bunch of people. And I, like you, have no doubt that there will come a moment when maybe they put an upgrade on the car come Imola or Miami, or maybe it is later on in the season. Um, so, you know, we might not see them fighting for the Constructors' Championship like we maybe expected. But yeah, I think there will come a moment where Mercedes are a lot more competitive. And that's why it's so important that in these early races, the likes of Ferrari and Red Bull, while they have that advantage that they maximise this and get as many points as they can. But yeah, well, I don't know where the sort of mark is in the season, whether it's like race five or race six, when, you know, maybe Mercedes still are struggling and Ferrari are really, you know, Leclerc's one is fourth consecutive race or something like that, that we go, yeah, that okay, 
yeah, like <laughs> I'm gonna say that that's a yes. Um, but yeah, what point in the season do we get to where we say, okay, this really is a championship in Leclerc's hand, Ferrari's hand? Because we've seen it before in previous seasons. We can get up to the summer break and still think, oh well, this is so and so's championship now, and it completely turns on its head. So yeah, maybe we just decide whose championship it is to win and lose in the final race of 2022 I don't know but <laughs> yeah. well hopefully it may, it may well be and it seems to if, if it is going to go down to the last race it's a different kind of title fight as you kind of mentioned there Katie where Ferrari clear in the first few races however many that will be we don't know and then Mercedes come good and it's not like oh you know it's eight points separating them it's almost like Hamilton will have to you know catch up a 75 100 point deficit but have a better car and i think as well it's unfair to write off ferrari because they are literally ferrari and people are like oh they don't know how to develop a car no they're not going to be able to continue to develop these are literally it's ferrari you know and mm. clearly they've got something very right at the moment whether that's because they've had a little bit extra wind tunnel time um due to the championship order from when they they, they gave that out uh, i think they finished seventh uh, that year so they got sixth, a little bit yeah, extra or sixth it was I can't hear you, mate. Have you accidentally tapped the top of the mic? Hello? Hello? Where did you go? Where did you go? I I have no idea. What happened? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Mercedes are sabotaging the audio. (laughs) They are. Ah! Anyway, um, I don't know where I've got to, but either way, basically, um, it's going to be a different kind of championship fight. It'll be Ferrari potentially all the way at the front and then Mercedes get quick. That's how I see it. And people are like, oh, your predictions are weird, Matt. Your quality predictions are weird. But hey, some of them have come true this year. And did I not say Ferrari would be the fastest? What are you saying? I'm just going to keep cashing in on that particular victory that I've had so far. Uh, but I think the, the main thing in this whole championship fight that Mercedes will genuinely be, be pinching themselves over is the fact that they are 10 points clear of Red Bull in the constructors after what a massive difference of pace. They, I bet they cannot believe that. Uh, but potentially Ferrari will be the ones that they're really going to have to look at uh, this year. Christian Horner is quaking right now. He is furious. But yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but that Red Bull reliability, ay, 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 that is not ay, ay. how you want to start the season. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not. Does it make sense that the same company who controls half of online retail also passively eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries are and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch or message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, the software hides your IP address, something big tech can use to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. 
What I like most about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. Download the app on your phone or computer, tap one button, and you're protected. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Visit expressvpn.com slash WTF1. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash WTF1 to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash WTF1 right now to learn more. Uh, let's move on to my three-word race review because we are speaking about Mercedes. So my three-word race review is Mercedes look ominous. Oh, big word. Kind of going back. Yeah, I know. It's not that big, proud actually. proud of it's you. Different. <laughs> wow, seven letters, Matt. Careful. <laughs> Mercedes is literally a longer word than ominous. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, uh, it kind of touching on what I've just said, really, is that despite Mercedes having a relatively not slow but an average car but with good reliability have somehow george russell and p2 in the driver's standings they are clear of red bull in the constructors they're second they're second aren't they in the in the constructors championship i would assume so yeah yeah so they are looking very good considering they've not had a very good car and as soon as they get their head around the problems that they've got i i i can see them really challenging ferrari so it's kind of reiterating what i said but from what from the pace and the when they actually look at where that Mercedes sits, and sometimes they're like, Oh, it's the fifth fastest car. George Russell has had some fantastic PR training from Mercedes because Mercedes are like, George, wherever we are in terms of pure pace, give us two lower positions than where we actually are. Just make it sound like we're much better as people like get working around problems than we actually are. But yeah, George tried to say they were the fifth fastest team. I'm not sure about that one. But yeah, I, I bet they cannot believe that they're second. No, I, I can't believe they're second. And I'm sure the team are probably much the same because, yeah, both uh, Russell and Hamilton have been not, you know, like offensive about Mercedes in the media. They've just been <laughs> honest and just said, look, yeah, we are struggling. And it is very much like the boy that cried wolf, no pun intended. But, you know, we've seen them at the start, especially Hamilton. He says at the beginning of every year, oh, we're really struggling. We're really struggling. And then they rock up and they absolutely smash it and dominate. So lots of people, when he made that accusation at the start of this season, were like, yeah, yeah, Lewis. Okay, like we've heard this one before. And then, yeah, the reality was, no, they they actually are struggling quite a bit. But as we said, Mercedes are inevitable and um, they have a great amount of really intelligent people that know what they're doing there. And I'm sure, like you say, it's going to just take a few upgrades and they'll be back to their winning ways. I have no doubt about it. If we go the whole season without a Mercedes win, I don't know Ooh, what, but I, I was going to make a bet and I was like, yeah, no, go on, always going. Come on. <laughs> what can I say? What can I make a bet on? Oh, well, you shouted in London already uh, mm. to say, I'm and sorry, I'm getting Fernando. a tattoo. That's already quite extreme. Get your tattoo if Fernando Alonso wins the world title. Um, I think something to do with Mercedes merch or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like maybe I'll you burn get a... all my Nico Rosberg merch. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Which is a shame because I could put that on eBay that. and put it, make a lot of money from that now. But um... you could, yeah. You yeah. can put it on eBay as burnt Nico Rosberg merch, I suppose. Uh, yeah, but yes, I, I would like say this. your merch <laughs> say your merch is very safe with that yeah. bet anyway. And we will revisit to see if we do have to burn it. Um, anyway, uh, question. <laughs> DJC2X asks, 
our Mercedes playing the ultimate sandbagging game, giving their opponents a head start before taking the armbands off the W13 and being one and a half seconds a lap faster than the rest of the field, just to make it think like they're in the mud for the show. Now, I know Netflix Drive to Survive is a big thing, and they... You know, you think about last year, you have your own opinion on why those unfolded. A lot of people think it was for the show. Others think it was rigged or whatever or done because of X, Y and Z. <laughs> Mercedes are not going to be do, do it like they're not sandbagging into the season. They're not that good that they're going to sandbag so during a competitive season. Can you imagine that? Imagine it came out. Yeah, guys, actually, the first five races we were running at 50 percent power. And we just didn't try, but that would there's zero percent chance. I think it's a bit of a joke question, but I'm going to shut it down anyway because I know there are probably a few people that question this sort of thing. No, <laughs> just expecting Aston uh, Ashton Kutcher to sort of like appear from behind the Mercedes garage, like you guys got pranked so bad, like we were actually <laughs> sandbagging, and yeah, like they they're, they're not going to be professionally sandbagging for the sake of this um also the fact that you know mercedes have got stakeholders they have plenty of sponsors they have a seven-time world champion and a potential future world champion on their team they're not going to want to tarnish their reputation with like oh you know we're going to pretend to be really bad and then like not get as many points as we want like this is formula one it's a competition everybody there wants to win if you turned around and said to your team like toto wolf turned around and said to lewis hampton hi lewis babes um so we've got this really funny idea we're just gonna like sandbag for the first few races uh, and we're gonna make everybody question your credibility and all this kind of stuff just so we can then like take the armbands off and be really competitive like lewis hamilton would be i don't even know what he'd do but <laughs> he'd probably scooter off yeah. into the yeah, sunset gonna, and be like i'm gonna, off <laughs> We're going to finish you behind George as well for the first two races. Is that okay? Just, just kind for the of bounce, again, you know. Yeah. People to question, but don't worry, you'll be able to go fast later on. But yeah. just right now, you're not allowed. Uh, no. And imagine if they actually did that, that would uh, cause some serious chaos. Um, <laughs> but I still think that at some point they will be the fastest car. So we will see. Um, at Running Waffle Waffles asks, why didn't Hamilton challenge Russell for P3? Seemed like he had the tyres for it, but nothing materialised. Would have been really interesting to see how Mercedes handled that battle. Now, there was a bit of talk about Lewis Hamilton's engine overheating and that mm. he was having to kind of manage that. So, you know, from a team perspective, Lewis always says it's about the team and this, that and the other if he had then gone and disobeyed orders to try and challenge George Russell for P3 when having these problems and knowing that this is a very long season and finishing P4, P3 is a good result. It was a great result for Mercedes. It, you know, Lewis has been around the block enough to know that, that there's really no point in challenging George Russell for P3 when they were of similar pace. Obviously, Lewis rocked up to the back, a, a, you know, a few tenths a lap, but it just wouldn't have made any sense. And Lewis knows not to push an engine to potentially mm -hmm. cause it more damage for the future of the next 20 races. Uh, so I think it was a little bit Mercedes just realizing there was no point doing it, but also Hamilton knowing let's just, let's just put these points in the bag and move on. Totally. I mean, I do feel uh, a little bad for Lewis because he was one of the many drivers who got properly done over by the safety car, but that is the sport. You know, he said on radio that, oh, why is it I always seem to be the one that, you know, gets mugged off by the safety car. But there have also been times where it's been especially convenient. In fact, Imola 2020, I think it was. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, he he like that safety car could not have gone better for him. But um, you know, 20, yesterday twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, because he binned it. It was it was against Verstappen for the championship. I think it was in twenty there was it. another one in twenty twenty as well. Which one are, which one are you on about? The safety car. I'm on about the 20- one where he, he dipped off the, the dry line to the wet line and then no, had to reverse no. out the no, I'm talking about another incident that happened in 2020 where he oh, like fair, the safety car just came out. No, that the safety car just came out as he was near the pits and then yeah. conveniently ended just as he was leaving it. So yeah, he so we had both a red really... flag and a safety car in Imola. <laughs> so... Yeah, so Imola <laughs> for him, benefited. we're going to expect to win there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, he he was a bit unfortunate with the timing of the safety car because then like he pitted lap later safety car came out and George effectively got a free pit stop which put him ahead but yeah if your engine is overheating the last thing that he's going to want to do if we're expected to believe the struggles Mercedes have got is he's going to go do you know what I'm going to push this engine and potentially you know cause it to have a problem a reliability problem and have to retire and lose all of these points like he's probably quite happy settling for fourth um you know he's already had a podium this year I think genuinely he'd be probably quite happy to see Russell get a proper podium, uh, his first with Mercedes. And yeah, it's one, it, one point, of one, you know, like not one point, but like one position right. and a few points. Yeah. <laughs> three points. So, yeah. Three points, exactly. Um, so, you know, his career's not over just because he finishes fourth instead of third. So I think, um, yeah, that's probably just why I did it. <laughs> But there is certainly an appetite to see those two go wheel to wheel. I, I mm-hmm. really want to see it. And I think that is that, you know, th- there was an opportunity at one point where Hamilton was about a second behind. You think, oh, maybe is this going to happen? Uh, but we didn't get to see it just yet. But I'm sure at some point the elbows will come out. And there was that amazing clip uh, in Australia. I'm sure you probably saw it, Katie, and everybody else as well, where uh, they ha- were having a press conference and George called Lewis uh, Mr. Hamilton. And oh, then- yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lewis said, oh, I thought you were talking about my dad. And he went, it's Sir, actually. And I was like, oh, no. Mic drop. And then he was, yeah, there's a bit of banter there. But I feel like there was almost a a kind of respect me as well, an undertone. Oh, I'll tag you as my dog again. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. I remember that. That was mad. That was on Instagram, wasn't it? Crazy. Mm. Uh, Next question. At Abdal Matin. Why didn't Mercedes bring the expected upgrades to Australia? Was it because of the cost cap reasons? There's a lot of Obviously, there's a lot of uh, variables as to why teams don't just throw the kitchen sink at every single race. And one of them is because of the cost cap. You know, they can't just build loads of different parts and try five different front wings and seven different rear wings because it costs a lot of money to create these bits for the car. And also, it's probably not an overnight fix what Mercedes are having to do here. You know, they have a philosophy. They have a car that is very radical and very different to what other teams have done. They've gone down this route and realised that this porpoising issue is incredibly difficult for them. They can't run it like Ferrari do, where Ferrari like, yeah, porpoising. We're going to bounce more and more and we're going to go quicker and quicker. Mercedes clearly can't do that. Uh, so they have to bring the right upgrades to whatever race they, they, they bring it to, rather than bringing loads of upgrades and wasting money. Uh, that's my view on it anyway. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Mark Hughes, who writes for the race, he said that, you know, Mercedes has not, after all, brought the initially planned lower downforce rear wing to Melbourne. It's now set for an appearance at either Imola or Miami. So they could well bring it to Imola for the next race or maybe a bit later. Um, But yeah, I think it could be a case of cost or maybe a part isn't ready. 
like or they just think actually with the four DRS zones or which they intended to three or like just maybe the characteristics of the track that like actually maybe this isn't the track to bring it we'll save it and bring it later but I mean obviously it didn't have too much of an impact um, because they still got a decent result at best of the year I think like collective points yeah collectively yeah definitely uh, yeah, so oh, tied the same as they got in Bahrain so I'll take oh yeah because of the dns right at the end yeah of course because uh, hamilton got a podium didn't he and then russell was fourth yeah so uh basically mercedes don't write them off that's the summary uh, of the mercedes section let's talk about red bull now shall we uh team wtf1 member adam ace 12 will red bull struggle to fight in the championship if they keep getting reliability issues and ruining their race yes absolutely yes it's not as if they you know dominates every race they turn up to either you know ferrari are as quick if not a little bit quicker in certain uh, circumstances so if they have a few dnfs along the way but then we're winning every other race then fair enough but it's not a guarantee um and it seems to be happening. well it's happened to max verstappen twice in three races that's not a good percentage of dnfing uh for, it's a great for percentage of, of wins for races you finished because that's 100 yeah, it's one imagine yeah three races in and we heard Pre-season, Verstappen would have won every single race he finished. Uh, you'd go, oh, wow. Tommy would be like, three. yes. Tommy's buzzing. He's got his cape <laughs> yeah. out. He's, he's waving it around. Uh, but instead, Verstappen's sixth in the championship. And what was he, 46 points behind or something like that? That is moment, math that so I cannot do off the top of my head. <laughs> I think so. I think he's on 25 and uh, Charles on 71, uh, if, yeah, I, I'm are, correct, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have it written on my bedroom wall, actually. So if you look back to last year, Verstappen obviously just won the title from Hamilton and those two were in a league of their own. If we're going to continue on that trend and it's Verstappen versus Leclerc and they're in a league of their own, Verstappen won the ch- championship. Of course, he had a few moments, for example, Hungary, where he got Bottas bowled down to ninth, I think, where he finished, or he had a DNF in Silverstone. These small moments are going to happen over the course of a season, but he didn't have a huge amount of them. And he finished in first and second in every other race he competed mm-hmm. in and won the title by what, eight points, seven points, whatever it was. So that kind of shows when there are two people, two drivers that are absolutely amazing and doing incredibly well they have to be finishing every race and scoring points even if they lose points to their championship rival as long as they don't lose 25 and they lose eight or seven depending on where fast as that goes then it's okay but as soon as you start losing race wins that's where the the problems that are coming in for red bull no it's very true i'm just thinking about previous years the people have won the championship you know what their results look like in their championship winning year and yeah, for, for so for Rosberg, of course, that's where I went first of all, naturally. Of course. Um, but yeah, he won the first four races, retirement in Spain, which we don't talk about. Uh, and then Monaco <laughs> seventh, Canada fifth, Europe um, first again. But yeah, apart from Spain, that was his only, like that was his only retirement in the whole year. Um, so already Max has got two in the first three races. So unless... For some crazy reason, um, Leclerc, you know, something happens to the Ferrari and they fall off the pace or that there seems to be reliability issues, which obviously for Matt's sake, I I hope doesn't happen. Um, I think that, yeah, his championship really is hanging in the balance, which is a crazy thing to say, because 
we're only on race three of 23 but points mean prizes and at the end of the day if you haven't got many points then you're not going to be fighting for the championship I mean Perez is ahead of him at the moment uh, which is not something that I expected to be saying as much as I love and support Perez and think he's wonderful you know um, Verstappen is the reigning world champion in that team so uh, yeah Perez on 30 points Science is ahead of him um, Russell is ahead in second in the championship which is crazy um, Hamilton too so yeah it's a, a crazy situation for him to be in um, but hopefully Red Bull can resolve these issues because I personally would just like to see another championship fight. And um, I'd like to think that other F1 fans would want that too. As much as I know there will be some fans that are like, ha, karma, you know, Verstappen's having all these oh, problems. Yeah. Uh, like there will be people that are like that. But for me as an F1 fan, I want to be able to see a championship battle like, you know, we had last year because that was so entertaining. Even I as a Charles Leclerc confessed, not a fanboy, just passionate <laughs> member uh, would allow and accept and joyfully welcome uh, the the fight for the front, at the front, you know, for, for Leclerc to win the championship. Until they collide and you're like, the is the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll look forward to that podcast. I'm sure that will happen uh, in the not too distant future. Uh, but I, I want to see a fight for the for the title. I wanted to see a fight at Australia. I didn't want Leclerc to just drive off. When I saw Verstappen's uh, front left graining at a ridiculous rate of knots and he lost so much time, I was like, oh. oh. I mean, it's great that Leclerc's winning, but deep down, I know a lot of people won't believe this, but deep down, I just want to see great racing. I just want to see two titans of the sport, whoever it may be, uh, or more, more than two, so absolutely great as well, uh, fighting for, for victories and for the world title. So, that's it's not exciting uh, as exciting anyway uh, to see someone run away with it uh, you may get the, the odd crazy race but generally speaking uh, you want to see loads of people in the fight uh, so but i actually just touched on a little bit i want to speak about the the i think the thing that's going to be maybe not most concerning for red bull of course the reliability is definitely the most concerning but also their pace on the on the tires that they they showed uh, they, they were okay in the first few laps and looked pretty quick behind uh, Leclerc, especially with Verstappen. But as soon as that front left grained away, he lost so much time to the Ferrari. And he was saying it was almost undrivable. And not only that, but Perez, who had flown past Hamilton, then was back in the, the clutches of Lewis Hamilton again, who'd caught up to him in the Mercedes. I know Australia is very much an anomaly on the track, uh, on, the, on the calendar, sorry, and we can't usually measure performance from it. But it's going to be a little bit concerning maybe for, for Red Bull, just how much the, the car ate up the tyres uh, during the Grand Prix on Sunday. No, very much so. Um, it's going to be an interesting championship ahead and I'm looking forward to each and every race that is to come because I really hope it's going to be another crazy season. The, the bar is too high now from 2021 that I will accept nothing less than spectacular from Formula One this yeah, year. Yeah, that, so that's the no problem pressure. as well. That's the problem with uh, people managing, uh, sorry, uh, not managing, um, uh, people having an opinion on on the partic- on the Australian Grand Prix, for example. I thought it was a decent race. It wasn't a banger. It wasn't a worldie because there wasn't a fight for the lead, really. Uh, but the, the overtakes and, and stuff like that were, were up in the sort of mid-30s compared mm. to 2017. We had two. So... Yeah, that was just a touch on Australia because I felt like it was getting a little bit of slander on F1 Twitter, but it is F1 Twitter, shock. Um, next question quickly on Red Bull reliability. Martin Meany, at what stage do Hamilton and Verstappen officially become the number two driver? Well, I mean, you, you pointed it out. Perez is ahead of Verstappen. 
Russell is the head of Hamilton. Yeah, I think particularly I for Sergio, who showed in Saudi that he can do it in this car. It's such a big opportunity for Perez to actually thrust himself into the mix at this Red Bull team, not just be this scapegoat, this old hold Hamilton up figure. He can actually, if he gets great results and matches Max Verstappen in the next four, five, six races, they can't just write him off as someone that can't challenge in the world championship. And Sergio himself, I think, said in an interview, I think it was from this weekend, that he wants to fight for the championship. I know that he probably has to say that as, as he's a Formula One driver. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm happy to say that. It's a great opportunity. It is. Yeah, exactly, but it's a great opportunity. It really is. And like, I'm trying to keep it cool, but I'm actually really excited for Checo this year because I have no, no um, secret that I'm a, a big Checo supporter and a big fan of his. But um, yeah, then there's going to have to be a point in the season where, heaven forbid, Verstappen has more reliability woes and it gets to, you know, the fifth or sixth race. And if he's had another two retirements or something and he's finished two races this year, whereas Perez is regularly finishing on the podium and picking up those points that, yeah, Helmut Marco and um, Christian Horner and co are going to have to probably sit down and say, right, we've got to be realistic here, guys, because you know, Verstappen is likely not going to win this championship unless the tables do turn, like I mentioned earlier, and the clerk suddenly starts having reliability issues as well. But oh, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be something that the team at Red Bull are going to have to decide among themselves. Um, but Sergio, you can't deny, has definitely been putting in some stellar performances so far this year. Looking forward to seeing what he can do in Imola because that's where he outqualified Verstappen last year, the one time. But, um, you know, maybe that's a track that he feels suits him and with a better car underneath him. And obviously with the string of good results, that's going to give him some confidence going into it. Verstappen potentially might, you know, have something in the back of his mind that constantly feels like, if I push too hard, is this car going to give up on me? Maybe that Sergio can use that to his advantage. But all I would say is don't underestimate Verstappen just because of these retirements that weren't his fault. Um, because if anything, he'll just want to absolutely nail every single race from now on um, to really make the most of the points he does get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people would be silly to even to write off Verstappen or to underestimate him because had the reliability not happened, I know if my grandmother had wheels, she'd been a bike. But <laughs> I think you know if if he'd finished, he would have had a first and two seconds under his belt, and he'd be well in the championship fight. He'd be a few points off Leclerc, and it'd be a completely different story. So let's not pretend that Max Verstappen and Red Bull are out of this by any stretch, because twenty races plus sprint race points as well coming up. Yeah. There's a huge amount of points available. I think it's in the sort of like five hundred and fifty odd uh, points available. So there's a lot. There's a lot that can change in these 20 races. And surely people that are writing people off, fans that are writing teams off, drivers off, have, have they not learned from 2021? <laughs> have you not learned that things can change uh, in, from one race weekend? Uh, so, yeah, anyway, that's my point done. Let's talk about the midfield because they were lit. At El Penguin 147, why was Ricardo told to hold position behind Norris despite being the faster car of the two in the race and with McLaren's objective being to pressure Mercedes and Lando nursing an issue causing him to lose power and the fact it's Danny, Danny's home race? So, of course, McLaren had a very good weekend, much better uh, than what we've seen, a double points finish and a great result, really, in terms of their pace, in terms of their reliability. I know there's mention about Lando and nursing issues. I don't know if you have more information on that, Katie, about 
uh, that particular uh, Lando problem. Yeah, so Norris lost six seconds over the final three laps um, and the team radio revealed that he was instructed by his race engineer, Will Joseph, to undergo heavy lifting and coasting over to the run of the flag. And yeah, there was a conversation that was shared. I think it must be on like a McLaren app or something like that, where you can see live of what's being discussed. Um, and yeah, Ricardo was was told to stay behind Norris, um, but just to be a little bit wary that he did have this issue. Um, and which Ricardo said, you know, what if he suddenly comes to a slow in front of me and they were like, well, you can pass him then. Like, we're not expecting you to like, completely stay behind him um but yeah it was a, a an odd decision maybe I can see why fans may be a bit miffed especially like Aussie fans if they think that why have you not let Ricardo get some glory at his home race especially if his teammate had an issue with the car but maybe there's some sort of master plan at McLaren um but no not many people have really um that I've seen have spoken to any of the team at McLaren, like Zach Brown or Andrew Seidel, or even the drivers about what it was all, what was all going on. So I don't know is the short answer. Yeah, it was, it was a strange decision from McLaren because why would, why would you tell them to hold position when Lando is going two seconds a lap slower and Danny Rick. I'm just trying to think maybe they thought Ricardo could help keep other cars at bay yeah and so then but but, but there's not much you can do if if lando then loses even more time like four or five seconds a lap what's danny rick gonna do deploy a you know a a rear wing that's the width of the of the track like it's it yeah if that was the thinking i don't i can't imagine that would have actually done much but yeah it's a bit of a shame really just to not go lando danny rick's not got a problem he's going to come by you and you never know what's going to happen in the last three three laps four laps whatever it was because you have a crash and then there's a safety car and then you have a one lap shootout and then Danny Rick's behind Lando. Anything can happen. Uh, so I don't understand why they've done that, especially when both McLarens aren't really off the board in terms of points, at least before the Australian Grand Prix. So strange decision. Moving it's on to good, Williams. Great now. result for McLaren though, considering where yeah, they have been the result. past few seasons. Let's see. And Danny Rick didn't have bad <laughs> luck. races. Nice. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like yeah. Danny Rick can n- not finish any higher than this position at his home race, so he had to finish Maybe. There. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, he's, he's had two fourth places, Danny yeah. Rick, but um, never a podium. Well, he had a podium, but he got disqualified. Uh, but oh, thankfully, wow. he actually finished the race and uh, had no bad luck, which was nice. Uh, at SMK NYC F1 XO. Uh, asks about Williams XOXO. if Albon XOXO kiss and hug yes, if Albon didn't pit <laughs> if Albon didn't pit what would the penalty be uh, now I know that uh, Katie sleeps with the rule book uh, not the stewards got like you got it right this time <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my understanding is that he would have got disqualified what's your understanding Katie so let me pull up the rule book for or was it 30 you seconds it was a 30 second penalty 30 seconds which in the race is a um, 10 second stop and go. And then if it is in the last few laps, then it is converted to a 30 second post-race penalty. But I actually have it how would, here. Wait, how would it, how would it not, how would it, how would it be a stop and go if you don't know that they're not going to pit until the end of the I race? get the sporting regs, hold on. I had this. Uh, hey, the sporting saved. regs, clear as mud. 
I had this point in regs up and then I closed my tab. So I've actually got rid of it. <laughs> so you can just like fill for a little bit and talk about okay. what an amazing job Alex does did, while did I get it, the sporting regs up. Welcome everybody to the interval of Katie looking up sporting regs. Because um, so, in commentary, they didn't seem to know. They were saying, oh, it could be 30 seconds. It could be a disqualification. It could be whatever the stewards deem it to be. And I still believe that the stewards could just whack whatever they want at any point because that's just the, the beauty of the rule book apparently. Um, but yeah, that 30 seconds is what is... So that's what you're thinking, Katie, as you continue to ferociously type. So it says a penalty under Article 54.3D will be imposed on any driver who does not change tyres as specified above. So then I go into Article 54.3D <laughs> and it says, sorry, I have to go through on the fines tab. Um, 54.3D is... A 10 second stop and go time penalty. The driver must enter the pit lane, stop in his pit stop position for at least 10 seconds and then rejoin the sprint session. Um, if any of the four penalties are imposed upon a driver and that driver is unable to serve the penalty due to retirement from the sprint session or the race, the stewards may impose a grid penalty, which isn't relevant. Blah, 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 okay. Blah, blah. Okay. Um, so that bit was generic in the sense of if yeah, these also, things well, yeah, happen, you get a stop and go. Whereas, in the yeah. case, if he didn't finish. Okay. If you did, if you oh, yeah. did finish, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you can tell. Like, I've closed my tab and I'm like, ah, freaking out. But yeah, so if any of the full penalties above, which includes a 10 second stop and go penalty, are imposed during the last three laps or after the end of a sprint session or race, then yeah. it will be 30 seconds. So that's what okay. we would have got. So he would have been so. Uh, short answer: 30 seconds. Long answer: <laughs> What we just did. Um, <laughs> Ten minutes segment so, on. Good to know. Good to know. It's very, very difficult with all the different article uh, regulations and, and that stuff. But yeah, 30 seconds would have been longer than a pit stop. It was a 19 second loss. So uh, he would have had an extra 10 seconds added on pretty much. So technically, it's only a 10 second penalty, really, in Australia uh, for, for Alban, because he would have had to do the pit, uh, the pit stop one way or another. Uh, next up, F1 underscore nightmare. Is the Steiner ship already sinking as all teams seem to be improving at a massive rate? And Haas, not so much. It's hard to tell. I don't think we can write off Haas because of one bad weekend. Yes, it is a development race in this 2022 season. But Australia, as I mentioned earlier, is a bit of an anomaly in terms of performance. To be fair, Haas usually are quite good around there. We've seen them before mm. not attach wheels. When they, yeah, when they attach the wheels, they're really like not great. But apart from that. Yeah. Um, but so I would be I'd be hesitant to be uh, you know to say Hassa now officially a back market team again. I don't think they are. I do think they will fall away eventually uh, during the season. But Imola, you know, in the, the next few seasons, uh, next few races coming up will be a, a good uh, give us a good indication as to whether or not they have just kind of shone at the start and that's it. Yeah, I hope it's not the latter and that they just had a really great start and then we'll sort of fall off from here. Um, I'm sure there'll be races that come soon that are better suited to the Haas. Um, but yeah, they've kind of just had a real bit of bad, bad luck and bad, like they caused their own luck kind of thing. Um, with Schumacher, obviously he couldn't even take part in the Saudi Grand Prix because of the crash that he had and the damage that came with that and the dent that that's going to cause to them with the cost cap um and then magnuson as well i think just from coming back <laughs> to formula one with sort of no real prior training his poor neck is really still struggling it's not as bad as it was in saudi i don't think but um 
that's still going to have an impact on how a driver performs because as much as sometimes we think it, these drivers are not superhuman. They are normal human beings and they feel pain and they have emotions. You wouldn't believe it, but Kimi Raikkonen can. Yeah, Kimi Raikkonen, somewhere in that cold soul of his has emotions. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it's just a, a few like bad bits of luck, but fingers crossed for a good result. Um, Imola is a circuit that Kevin's been to before, as has Mick. So who knows? But Mick last year, didn't he have a crash and worked out his front wing? I think he did. He did. Like yeah, right yeah. into the... there was I think that was oh, when dear. we heard one of the amazing team radios of it's okay, Mick, no worry. Yeah, or from Gary. It's okay, oh. don't worry. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll look after you, come into the pits, we'll give you some. I'll make you a hot chocolate. <laughs> okay, and you know, change the front wing and you can yeah. go pop out again and do a few more laps for us. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, right, next question. Kev- I was going to say, le- last time Kevin was in Imola as well, I think that's when he had to retire because he kept having an issue with his shifting of gears. And he gets smack in the back of his head against the car mm. and gave him a headache. So basically, both drivers have looking had real good. Bad, looking yeah, real Imola, good. I'm not looking for much. <laughs> Uh, Jatoffel asks I think we have to discuss Latifi and Stroll this weekend Okay Here we go Let's talk about Latifi and Stroll Unbelievable how bad they performed Especially this weekend A lot of funny driving from those two Hmm Where do we begin on Latifi and Stroll Now I think Latifi got a bit of a bad Yeah I do too I think that's rep. quite unfair what, how much rep? he's being but bad rep. What do you call it? Rep? Bad rep? Bad, bad rep? Bad rep is that bad rep? Like, bad, uh, anyway, yeah. bad, I think I, I think I feel like Latifi got a lot more stick for that problem that occurred in qualifying than what he actually really deserved. Yes, he's been woeful the first two races of the season, making loads of mistakes and crashing. But for this one, yes, he was in... It, wasn't at fault, but he was a bit silly, let's put it that way, mm. for him to let stroll through and then go, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to shove it down the inside. There we go. But he's not, he's not, on, it's not like he's not allowed to do that. Stroll no. went past and then started slowing down again. So Latifi's gone, oh, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back past you. Stro- you can tell as well from Lance Stroll's interview that he knows he's, he's done wrong. Because he's like, yeah, it's, it's an awkward few corners. And, and you know, he kept kind of just stumbling over his words a little bit and not really saying much, despite it being one of the longest. That's just Lance Stroll, though, isn't Lance it? Do. <laughs> yeah. But Lance Stroll's usually like three or four words straight out yeah. the block. For this one, he felt like he had to clarify absolutely not Like what he was saying was not much, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, but no, Stroll was 85% at fault in my opinion, for that particular incident, because he turned in. We've already spoken about it only last weekend. He turned into the other Williams of Alex Alban into Saudi. Of course, Maybe Alex got a three-place penalty. <laughs> Maybe. Or he just doesn't like them. He just sees it and goes, you know what? No. And just turns in on them. Uh, but he didn't check his mirrors. He didn't. He just he just turned in on him. I don't know how people are trying to say that that was Latifi's fault. Yes, I will admit he was silly. He was silly to try and go for it. It is dangerous. You never know what Stroll will or won't see. This time, Stroll. That's didn't what see. makes it dangerous. You just don't <laughs> yeah. know what Stroll's going to do. But yeah, I love how I, I agree. literally sat forward to do that, and now I'm going to go back into my uh, comfortable Cozy. position. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Latifi isn't entirely blameless in the qualifying incident that we saw. But yeah, I do feel like he's getting quite a lot of unnecessary abuse, especially on social, um, for his part to play. Like, yes, he is a paid driver. 
Um, and, you know, Williams have said in the past, they don't need to rely on paid drivers, but they've got Latifi back for this year. It's not as if this is his first year with the team. He's well embedded with them. And, um, you know, they obviously think that he's a person that they can trust and, and have faith in. Um, but yeah, the, the whole Latifi stroll thing, I did feel a bit bad for him in some parts. He said, uh, <laughs> he was like, my one goal this weekend is to have sort of an incident free weekend. And then that happens in qualifying. So uh, yeah, people are quick to, to comment, but stroll, I mean, what on earth was he doing this weekend? Like probably one of the poorest performances I've seen from him. And that includes and hungry when he just completely messed up and also is part of the Bottas bowling wipeout scenario he had an incident in FP3 he then the, the poor team had to sort of construct his car piece it back together and then he repays them by taking out Latifi and then they get the car ready again and he was just driving a bit reckless in some parts there were some moves that you know I saw on the tv and I thought actually yep that's good racing that's clean racing like really nice move by him for that position or whatever but how he didn't get a penalty for forcing Bottas off the track I will never know I don't understand why the stewards looked at that and thought yeah he's fine because I understand that you know there's racing and that's allowed i'm not saying you know you can't ever you know give a, a driver a little bit of like a cheeky well hey i'm coming through ooh, like this kind of thing but that was full <laughs> force off the track that was technical term. well that, hey i'm coming through <laughs> exactly that's how all drivers speak right that's what we don't hear them play on the radio um but how he didn't get a penalty for that i don't know i'm not trying to cause a massive stroll conspiracy theory here but he's already on eight penalty points and by forcing another driver off the track that gives you another two penalty points and so that would take him up to 10 and 12 is a ban and we've had this discussion so many times on the podcast that do we think the fia and the stewards will ever get to a point where a driver is on the cusp of a ban or like even ban a driver probably not because it's going to be terrible press for them and um all that kind of stuff but i just think that it's ludicrous that he didn't get a penalty yeah. for me it was slam if that dunk. is the case if that is the case imagine they're like oh no oh god lance troll's actually getting up towards the the, yeah. the the 12 point race ban we'll we'll let him off we'll let him off we'll for give everything him a warning. now yeah yeah don't worry you're fine now you can do whatever you want lance because you're on eight uh, I yeah I don't know it's it's going to be a weird one to see if we do actually get to someone with ten or twelve or whatever. Uh, but yeah, Stroll just ran Bottas completely out of road. Apparently that's fine. He obviously got a penalty for weaving down the straight. Mm. Did he get penalty points for that? Uh, one. One, just a singular one. Just a single um, penalty point. But Bottas afterwards, I was listening into audios from when he was in the pen, and they were like, "Oh, so you know, what did you think about?" Lance's move and he was like well you know that's not proper racing and they were like were you surprised that he didn't get a penalty and he was like did he not and they were like no he got a penalty for weaving and he was just like oh okay so I don't know if in the back <laughs> of his mind he's like I'm saving that for the driver's briefing in Imola mm -hmm. or like what was going on but Stroll also you know for somebody who doesn't say many words anyway um was certainly came out with some interesting angles after qualifying by saying, um, oh, so this is to do with the weaving. Yeah, we see guys weaving all the time. Um, it's just the last move. You can weave down the straight as long as you don't weave when the guy's approaching very close to you. I'm weaving to break the slipstream and not trying to defend. And then they penalize me for it. And then he said, there's a lot of funny decisions going on right now. And I was like, 
What, what do you mean by that? You said, you said it was after the qualifying. Do you mean after the race? After the race, yeah. Sorry. Um, I was going to say, it's like, was he weaving in the qualifying as well? Who's <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he defending? From? It's just literally like, I don't care anymore. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think that's. He's quite just becoming a, a bad boy now, isn't he? It's just like, nah, yeah, you know boys. what? I'm going to do whatever I want. I've got a rubbish car. I'm yeah. just going to weave everywhere. To be fair, he'd got the Aston Martin dog of a car into the points somehow yeah. through all the virtual safety cars and safety cars. And then he went and did that. I know that he had to try and get his elbows out to try and keep the uh, the faster cars behind him at bay. But yeah, that was probably not the way to go and should have got a penalty uh, for that Bottas move. Uh, let's move now very quickly and talk about the changes to the track. Uh, of course, that was a big talking point. Four DRS zones until it was reduced to three. Um, but yeah, of course, the big thing is the fact that seven of the 16 corners were changed in some way. At Neil's Sports asks, did you like the changes to the track now that you've seen the race? Yes! Yes, I did. I think that it was a big step in the right direction. Uh, I love the fact, and there is actually a video going out, which, to be fair, is going out today, and this podcast goes out tomorrow, unless you're a Team WTF1 member and you're watching it live right now, in which case you see this first. Uh, but there will be a video that I put out for about uh, you know the, the change to the track and did it actually improve the racing. Yeah, it did. You, know, you, you look back at the overtakes. In 2019, there was 12, I think there was, in uh, 2018, there was seven, um, and, and 2017, there was two. So we now moved to, I think, 34, maybe? I think it was 34, yeah, something 34. like that. Uh, yay, my memory. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so clearly there was a big step in the right direction. Yes, a lot of it was come from the midfield. Those overtakes, by the way, are counted not from lap one and not from cars driving off the track or going into a gravel trap or anything like that. That doesn't count as an overtake. It's just the beautiful ones that happen on track. So that gives you a good, uh, good sort of, indication it doesn't also count for pit stops and pit stop affected overtakes so those are 34 beautiful overtakes and i think we saw only 20 of them so i'm not sure how the tv direction uh, you know how, how much they want to show us and do they want to maybe introduce two boxes i'm going to continue to push that please. one uh to please i mean please maybe they thought we don't need two boxes for australia don't be silly there's only there's only, there only two overtakes in 2017 <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I, I think it was, a, it was a good step in the right direction. I like the fact they're trying to change it. It certainly didn't make it any worse. And maybe we'll see even better racing next year. Yeah, very much so. Only kind of criticism I have of it is we did see quite a lot of DRS trains as a result. But, um, you know, like you said, we've got way more overtakes than we've had in previous years. And with Melbourne, you know, I really, I, I like it because... Um, maybe it's partly the atmosphere because it just looks like one huge party and I just get such FOMO whenever I watch it on TV but uh yeah massively big steps in the right direction and because it is a street circuit um they have made some modifications which have been good but there's not going to be a great deal that you can do you can't exactly just like rejig the whole circuit so those small tweaks have improved the racing and hopefully with that kind of approach, maybe other locations on the F1 calendar that maybe have a bit more flexibility. Obviously, I'm not saying demolish buildings to make for a better racetrack that they're at once a year. Um, but maybe other circuits on the calendar will have a look and go, well, actually, this is a good case study for getting driver's inputs and things because, you know, people like Ricardo gave his insight and feedback and to make the Sunday a better spectacle. Um, and maybe some other calendars on the um other circuits on the calendar <laughs> other calendars Ooh, the like, three, you know, you know i said earlier i wasn't feeling the, or... <laughs> i said earlier i wasn't feeling the tired 
thing is is hitting me. I wasn't <laughs> feeling the tired thing. Here he, here, here he is. He's arrived. The tired oh, thing has gosh. arrived. Hello. The delusion setting in, guys. This is concerning. Um, but basically, yeah, it was good. And and I'm not talking. Anymore. It was good. End <laughs> sentence. Full stop. Okay. Next question. Uh, whilst Katie has a nap. Team WTF one member Tyrrell Carter eight. Does the crowd this weekend show how effective rotating races on the calendar could be? Being away for two years has obviously built so much hype. Yeah, I, I don't think we can fully say that because Australia wasn't there for two years, that's the reason why there was over 400,000. There are other factors at play here, like Drive to Survive, for example. Generally, you know, obviously, I think that it does, of course, make an impact. The fact that we had COVID and Australia was... Well, technically, what do we didn't have it in 2020, 2021. Um, so, yeah, of course, it's going to make a. Every year. Just disappear for every year and rotate with something else. I think it can work for the more boring ones. That's what I'm I'm keen for. It's, you know, swat or, or ones that maybe can't afford it. But the only way they can stay on the calendar is if they rotate. I'd rather a track like. Hockenheim rotated with someone else rather than not be on it at all mm. uh, so hopefully I, I I don't know if I've been particularly clear with what I've been saying there but yes I think it does show that it's effective and it can build up the hype but I don't, I don't think you can say that the only reason that that's happened is because of them not being there I think there are other factors at play Formula One is a massively growing sport at the moment so that's a big factor too yeah, totally. I really like the idea that um, this Team WTF1 member, Tyrrell Carter 8, has said about, you know, rotating them and helping build the expectation and the hype for when it does come round again. But uh, yeah, I think, like you say, there are so many other factors in play, but still amazing to see these crowds. I think no one's kind of really addressed it fully, but for Cota last year, which was the most attended race weekend in F1's history, they had 400,000 and Australia beat that. So I'm assuming it's like the most popular F1 race weekend we've ever seen, uh, which... I've not seen that. Um, no, which is what I'm imagine thinking. They would have said something. Yeah, yeah. you think they'd be all over it, but it's definitely been, I think, the busiest sporting event in Australia, which is cool. Um, but... Yeah, I just really am thinking we need to get this rotation system in place soon because otherwise we're going to be end up doing like 52 podcasts in a year, Matt, because it's going to be a race every weekend. So I'm oh, like, poor us. Poor we us. are the, the biggest, we are the biggest people affected here. If we are the podcast people, not the teams, not the drivers, but us. It's just it should it's Don't all around us, like the yeah, come on. Uh, obviously sarcasm for those that don't understand yeah, it. A, B, C, D, E, F, one time. Now it says new jingles people have sent in. What have you got for us, Katie? Well, I don't know how to do this. Do I send it to you no. or like we'll add it yeah, in post? I, yeah, I think maybe we assess for, for the next podcast uh, because okay, I haven't actually I've listened to them yet. I'm sorry, jingle people. Are they good? Yes, there's a real mix. There are some that there's people a delay have there. sent in. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm blaming it on my internet. Um, yeah, there have been some that have been sent in that are really, really good. And you can tell people have spent a lot of time in. There have also been some that have been sent in of just people singing the jingle themselves, which I actually really like. But there are some that are really heavily produced and others, okay. which is just somebody being like, A, 
ABCD, F1, yeah. And then sub- submitting oh, look, it. We appreciate every single Oh, submission. yeah. Uh, yeah, without, I think it makes it more personal. Um, I think they're great. What we'll do is we'll sit down this week, uh, we'll listen to all of them, and then be like we Simon Cowell. We will crown the ABCDF1 jingle. Uh, I think that's the way to do it. And then next episode is when you will first hear it. Uh, so that, that's the way we'll do it. Uh, right, let's dive into the grades then, shall we? Let's talk about Lewis Hamilton first. Um, he, of course, finished behind his teammate. Uh, he outqualified George Russell, got unlucky with the safety car. Um, I, I, would, I would say it's, he wasn't really doing anything wrong. He was aggressive at the start. I'm going to give him an A. Yeah, I'm giving Hamilton an A as well. Did we get Tommy's grades? We should have got no, Tommy's ABCDF on grades, shouldn't we? Oh, yeah. God, boring. Um, so, okay, we give him an A. To be fair, how do we just... We, we're going to have to actually discuss this because there's no overriding grade here unless the fans are the third grade. And yeah, then that, they I don't know. Maybe, that. maybe that's the way it's, uh, it topples one way or another. Okay, so we give Hamilton an A and Lewis Hamilton got a B from the fans. It's a bit harsh. Um, George Russell, uh, as I said, was outqualified by Lewis Hamilton, only just was looking there or thereabouts. Mm, I think it's a B. I think it's a B for Russell. I'm giving him the same grade as I'm giving Hamilton, so an A. Hey, okay, 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 okay. Can I be swayed? Can I be swayed here? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he did get a podium. I felt like he was a little bit slower than Lewis, but does it, does it warrant a B? Hmm, okay, all right, I'll move to an A. No problem. All right, A for A for Russell, and the fans gave George Russell an A. So that that's weird. I find that weird that the fans gave Russell an A and Hamilton a B. It's not like they said they forgot that the safety car happened. Uh, but either way, uh, Max Verstappen, he was of course running in second. Then both Red Bulls, to be fair, had the tire graining problem, um, but didn't finish, of course. But that was due to a fuel flow. It's not like he binned no. it or something. No, he didn't bin it. Um, I'm giving Verstappen I an A. Think, yeah, I was going to say an A as well. So, okay, A for Verstappen. The fans gave him a B. So right, so I look, I've just looked on the thing because I put A slash B on the sheet because it's so close. So B has 38% and an A has 38% on the vote that you can also do on the website after the Grand Prix if you want to take part in these and have your votes concluded. So 2,427 people gave him a B. 2,392 people gave him an A. So it was literally just okay, a handful so of people that changed the result. So, yeah. Yeah. There you go. So more are. people said B. Okay. The fans gave Max a B. Uh, Sergio Perez, of course, finished second. Got He got beaten by Hamilton at the start. Also, I think I'm a little bit influenced by the fact Max... Max maybe could have been a bit better with where he positions his car, which is why mm. I think Prez got a bit mugged off. So I'm going to go with an A for Prez um, okay. because I think he was just there to pick up the pieces and that's what they need from him, but it wasn't an, worthy of an A star. An A? Wow, are you even, you even going to... even No, no, but... <laughs> no, I wouldn't give Prez Fair. an A star before you take Perish that out of context. girl! <laughs> <laughs> Don't take that out of context, but yeah, an A. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember how far Perez was behind Verstappen, and I feel like he was a reasonable uh, amount behind, but that's fine. Uh, the fans gave him an A, so we will switch our grades to an A. That's absolutely fine. Um, Charles Leclerc. I mean, it's, it's A star. 
See, I've gone for a B. No, I haven't really. I've gone for an A star. <laughs> good one. To see your face. Good one. That was good. That was good. I mean, I didn't believe you in the slightest. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a perfect weekend from Leclerc. We hardly saw him in the broadcast. Uh, yeah, as as we said earlier, Grand Slam, fastest lap pole position, won the race, drove away, especially in that. Of course, he did make that one mistake uh, at the second safety car restart, which they seem to blame the safety car for going too slowly. Um, both Verstappen like and Leclerc, to be fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And both Leclerc and Verstappen were complaining that the safety car were going too slowly. And, and Leclerc obviously made that sort of mistake uh, on the run down towards turn one. Thankfully for him, it wasn't a long enough straight for, for Verstappen to sweep right through. But yeah, that could have that could have changed the race a little bit. Well, it would have could have changed the race until Max DNF'd. Um, but but yeah, he, he managed to hold on. So yeah, A star and the fans give him an A star as well. Carlos signs a lot of a lot of bad luck, but binned it on his own. I'm gonna have to. Oh, no, but he made a mistake. But he had a lot of bad luck. It's ah, D. <laughs> Watching you struggle. Yeah, I've also gone for a D for science. Yeah, because... it can't happen too many times this season for him uh, if he wants to, to mount a charge. Uh, and the fans gave him a D as well. Uh, Lando Norris. Lando Norris, of course, finished P5, had that problem, was told for Danny Rick to stay behind him. Danny Rick definitely made that a clear thing to everybody uh, at the track that he was being uh, told to, to stay behind because he finished four tenths of a second behind Lando over the line. Um, but for me, Lando, it's a great result for McLaren. Th- these grades are so difficult because, you know, you look at mm. McLaren in Bahrain, they were nowhere. So this kind of result, finishing fifth and sixth, I think it's it's an A. Yeah, I've gone for an A, considering how poor McLaren's performance has been so far this season. Um, I think that's a solid result. Hmm. Good stuff. I've now reflected on the Paris grade and I actually agree with your A. So I've now officially changed it. There's no, there's Thanks. no pushing over. You got that. my threatening well message welcome. I just sent you on WhatsApp. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> no, no, no such thing. Uh, but yeah, Lando A and the, and the fans gave him an A as well. I think Danny Rick also gets an A from me because I think he was uh, very good this weekend. I completely agree. We've been very generous. Uh, wait till get later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're not at the uh, bad grades yet. Uh, and the fans gave Ricardo a B. So, uh, okay. Fair enough. No worries. Um, Fernando Alonso. Well, what could have been for Fernando Alonso, who finished last of the finishers uh, after one of the worst races in his Formula One career and could have been one of the best qualifyings uh, he's, he's done in a very long time? Uh, of course, he was pretty, I think he was a couple of tenths up on Charles Leclerc's pole time through the middle sector, which is just preposterous. Of course, that last sector is long, and I don't think he would have actually gotten pole, but second or third on the grid would have been sensational uh, from Fernando. Uh, but unfortunately, had the worst race of all time. So, God, it's going to have to be a C. Mm, I think... I think you're right. There. He, finished, he finished last of the runners. How can we give him a B? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, massively. And yeah, I yeah. think he also, um, it looks as if he maybe forgot to take his hands off the steering wheel before he had the impact in qualifying, which meant that he was bandaged up for the race. Um, oh. So, yeah, it really wasn't great for Fernando. Um, I think it's, yeah, I see. I'll go with the C. But. Cool. The fans gave him a B. 
So they were feeling the Fernando love and maybe if he'd been on the outskirts of the points, he definitely would have deserved a much higher grade. Uh, Esteban Ocon finished seventh, a very good result for Alpine. Uh, Didn't have the pace of his teammate in qualifying, but then his teammate didn't finish because of the hydraulic issue. Uh, So difficult to say how far he was behind, but seventh place, that's a B. Yeah, B for, for me as well. Cool. Uh, the fans gave Ocon a B, a C bestie. Next up, Pierre Gasly. He finished ninth. Alpha Tauri are just struggling these days. They're so aren't they? invisible. They used to be that sort of best of the rest team, occasionally popping up, sticking at P5 for Gasly uh, occasionally, but no such thing uh, so far. But, uh, you know, he still scored points. So I'm going to give him a. It's Gasly. Uh, I think I'm going to have to give him a C. I've also gone for a C as well for Pierre. Yeah, both Yuki and Gasly. I mean, they got some airtime when um, Schumacher nearly went up the back of them. But apart from that, that like... So close. Yeah. And he said, holy cow, didn't he? Mick? Oh, he said, holy he's cow. so innocent. <laughs> Everyone else was said, effing, bleeping, blah, blah, blah. He was like, holy, holy cow, cow, that was close. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I <Makes me laughs> want to just cry. Um, but yeah, um, Pierre also had a little off towards the end of the Grand Prix as well, didn't he? Went on the grass right before pit lane entry. But yeah, I think a C is about all we can give there. Yeah, C for Gasly and a C from the fans as well. Uh, Yuki Sonoda, he finished 15th. Oof. It's going to have to be a D. If, if uh, Gasly's getting a yeah. C, that's going to have to be a D from me. I agree. Uh, the fans gave him a C, so loving Yuki life, apparently. Okay. Sebastian Vettel, of course, <laughs> DNF'd after binning it, had a terrible weekend, crashed in practice. No, his car broke down in practice, didn't it? He in crashed FP1, in practice. Yep. Crashed in FP3. Crashed in FP3. Didn't do he... much running in FP2 because the car was broken. Yeah, went out in Q1, but obviously only got one lap in because the car his teammate had crashed and caused a red flag, allowing for Aston Martin to fix the car in time for Vettel to go out. Big brain strats from Lance Stroll. I appreciate the teamwork there. Um, and then the Giving race him an was a for just, that. A, just yeah, yeah. And the race was just a stinker as well. So oh god, but he's just come back. I'm giving him a D. I love Sebastian Vettel. I just like to put that out there. But for Uh me, this was possibly the worst weekend of his, let's say, recent career. Um, Because I was thinking about this. I gave Daniel Ricciardo a bit of leeway when he came back in Bahrain after having COVID. But that was a week after, like, from testing positive. Was it a week or did we get two weeks a break from testing I can't remember but I was a bit kind and a bit generous but I've listened to Sebastian Vettel and he said that he's felt 100% fine no side effects nothing um so I'm I want to give him an F because it was just so bad like he had I know I know blokes like school Katie don't do it don't give an F don't give it I'll give him an E but it was really it was really not great like crashing of your own accord he had a moment in the beginning of the race where he was like oh sorry I'm just like not really (laughs) 
not really vibing with the car mm. um and there's just been so many like incidents throughout the I whole weekend I love how weekend. I'm being the one that's like oh you know Vettel's coming back you know this is his first weekend back he's had covid I'll give him a d we'll move on you're like f nah he's finished <laughs> I didn't say that he's not finished he's just well really have. struggling isn't he yeah and I can it understand it scares the me because I, I think if if things don't improve mm. What's I think it'll next? be retiring at the end of the year. I, I really do. No, uh, I don't want to hear. Especially it. with people giving him F grades, so I had to make sure you gave him an E. Uh, I can, I can move to an E. I can, I can, I can understand that one. It was close between a D and an E, so I'm going to give him an E. And the fans gave him a D. Uh, Lance Stroll F. <laughs> yeah. Next. No, it was. It, I don't think it was an F. Uh, it was bad, but I don't think it was any worse than his teammate in terms of things that went wrong or mistakes he mm, made. That's true. Probably an E as well for Stroll. Yeah, he made more dangerous moves on the track that influenced other people, whereas Sebastian just crashed himself into walls. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think similar grade, but yeah, both just Aston Martin just had an absolute shocker this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's an E or an F, it's still a very bad grade. So we're going for an E? Yeah, I'll go for an E. Okay, cool. Uh, so the fans gave him an F. <laughs> So there you go. And uh, Nicholas Latifi, I mean, he obviously made that small misjudgment in qualifying, but he was so slow. You could tell he has got zero confidence in that car now because mm-hmm. I was just, I remember just looking at him, his little time interval, and he was just toodling along at the back, waving along to the crowd. Oh, yeah. Still in one piece, everybody. Carrying on. Oh, yeah. I I'm not going to be it. causing a red flag today. <laughs> and just carried on and did that, did the race. Like you can tell this was very much trying to hit for, for him to try and build some confidence. Uh, but that still does not stop me giving him an E. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. I think an E is a fair grade um, because when you consider what Albon managed to achieve in that car this mm. weekend, like listening to their post race interviews, it's like they're not even driving the similar car. They're like on completely different teams of like what Albon managed to do with the tires and how long he managed to make them last and, you know, still scraping a point. And he started at the back. And then you've got Latifi, who, yeah, was just so far off the pace. Um, and E, I think, is very justified, even though he did keep out the barriers of the race, which I'm very proud of him for. <laughs> he did. He finished the race. Whoop, whoop. You get a sticker. Uh, the fans <laughs> gave him an F. Uh, ah, well, so of course they did. There you go. Uh, Alex Alban finished in P10, was left out there for 57 laps on the same amount of tyres, pulled away from Ocon when they were fighting uh, a little bit later in that race. He put uh, in like, one of his fastest and laps was of the race. on the grid. Yeah, he bit in one of the fastest laps of the race, like within the last few laps, like before he so bit clearly it. He was in a very good groove with those tyres. Loving life. Started 20th, finished 10th in a Williams. That's getting the only A star of this uh, podcast. What about Charles? <laughs> Second A star of this podcast. <laughs> yes, definite A star. And I feel so bad for Album because I rewatched the YouTube highlights didn't even get a mention apart from at the end where Crofty was like you know well done to Alex Alban who got points but I didn't mention anything is that of what like, Crofty sounds like I need to stop doing impressions because I'm going to get freaking cancelled at this rate but um yeah like a brilliant performance and should have won driver of the day but because F1 are insistent on doing it the second the checker flag is waved um 
like we didn't get a chance to see if he was going to finish in the points. Who won driver of the day? Charles. Charles Leclerc for the third time in a row. Wow. So the grand, yeah. grand slam. So he won driver of the slam. day. Fastest lap, pole position, won the race. Uh, cool. Okay. So A star for Albert and the fans gave him an A star as well. Valtteri Bottas, he scored some points. He finished eighth. That's a B. Yeah, B. Good stuff. And B from the fans <laughs> as well. Zhou uh, Guan Yu. He did some overtakes. Still didn't score any points, unfortunately. P11 for Zhou uh, Guan Yu. I am going to give him a C. Yes, I think a C is justified. It's kind of getting to that point now where it's a bit like we had with Giovinazzi and Kimi last year where we just didn't he didn't get any airtime so we're like we kind of just have to like guess what he did this race and I think he was quite close to Albon um at the end of the the race trying to get onto that last points position but couldn't quite do it um so yeah I think a C is justified is a grand slam leading every lap of the race as well potentially Stuart Stuart Pennock has put it in the uh, Team WTF1 live podcast chat. So uh, if you could uh, ch- just triple check that, Katie, that would be lovely whilst I uh, move on to uh, Magnussen. Zhouguan, you've got a C from the fans. Uh, Katie's uh, camera has frozen, but she's back now. Good to good to see. Your internet is absolutely horrendous. I swear you've got a hamster on a wheel that just tries to like send the signal to try and get some sort of internet. Um, uh, so... Kevin Magnussen, let's move on to Haas. Uh, he uh, finished behind his teammate and very non-weekend from Haas, really. If we're judging them compared to their first couple of races, is it a pair of Ds? 13th and 14th, absolutely nowhere. I'm going to have to go with a D. I think you're right. Looking at the recent performance, like what we saw in Bahrain, then it looks like there is some potential in that car that just wasn't withdrawn during the race. So, yeah, mm. I think a high D, but D nonetheless. High D, but still a D. Yeah. Uh, the fans gave K-Mag a C and Schumacher, yeah, giving a D as well. And Schumacher got a C from the fans. So maybe we're just grouchy. Uh, next up, we have our Australian Grand Prix predictions. Uh, I went for one Merc doesn't make Q3, which was so close. Yeah. Hamilton was P10. Hamilton was P10 in Q2. Um, but uh, alas, point. no <laughs> points. No, no, no I'm not even going to try that one. Uh, and Haas, no points, which was correct. That was a, an extravagant prediction, which you wouldn't have expected to think uh, last year, but uh, still a point all the same. Katie, what was yours? So I went for Ferrari pole, which worked out well. And then I said, There's going to be a race. <laughs> water is wet um and then yeah. <laughs> i said magnuson top five in quali which we will just move on to tommy's <laughs> that went really badly tommy oh at least four dnfs and there were three uh, unfortunately for oh, tommy no. so zero points and russell makes it two one in quali zero points unlucky tommy i'm really unlucky. sorry mate. hope you're okay love and life <laughs> Uh, Shady underscore Man United Signs gets his first win No AF1555 New team on the podium for 2022 No Roberts underscore Etners Both McLarens out of the points Absolutely not They finished uh, a lovely P5 and P6 Now let's move on to our Emilia Romagna Grand Prix predictions 
Del Made in Italy, blah, 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 whatever the rest of the uh, the, the whole title of that uh, Grand Prix is called. I have gone for a boring dry race and the track will be questioned for its suitability for Formula One. Anti-jinx enabled. You're welcome. And Mick Schumacher scores his first point. We're going to keep we're going to keep putting that just until it happens, because I'm sure it will happen this year. So I have gone for both McLarens and the points again. I'm firmly on the believe in McLaren hype train. Um, mm. And I've said Verstappen wins the sprint because there is. A oh, yeah, race we need to time. talk about that. Yeah, it's literally a sprint race. You yeah. even mentioned it. <laughs> Whoa, Imola sprint race, different. But yeah, actually, I haven't clarified. I just said boring dry race. I'll try the question. Uh, maybe you want to change that prediction, that, uh, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. cool. So, do you, yeah, you mean it. the the race race, the Grand Prix, not the sprint? Yeah, 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 yeah. The the actual just, just main checking. Race. I know we're, um, we're like oh, oh, we're actually definitions. no, either either. No, or. no. <laughs> uh, Tommy Ferrari one two in the race. Oh, Tommy, God, you really are on that Ferrari hype train, aren't you? You're, you're, he's definitely. Are you sure with you that haven't prediction. like? taken tommy kidnap and you're tweeting all these nice ferrari actually, things anything i type it actually goes straight into his brain but yeah the ferrari one two in the race so he's, he's either trying to join the ferrari hype train which i'm sorry the tickets i was selling at a discounted <laughs> price before the season started but he didn't buy one or he's trying to do his thing where he's like oh matt i'm gonna make yeah. a graphic of charles leclerc winning and then max verstappen ends up winning because he tries to jinx it either way there's something bad going on with thomas prediction there and alonso top five in quali cool at uh, three uh we've got three fan predictions yano Watmir, the f1 esports world champion i love how in brackets you've put yes that one uh so just in case you thought it was a yano Watmir fan account uh lewis versus max for the win that's that's wow okay uh reshik underscore latifi doesn't crash oh no sorry reshik underscore is the name <laughs> reshik uh. underscore latifi doesn't crash in all sessions okay and i show digi alpine or mclaren on the podium wow some big predictions there mm. Lewis versus max for the win god imagine we see that that'd be unbelievable a throwback to last year katie final thoughts Final thoughts are, I really want to go to Australia, to the Australian Grand Prix. It looked an insane atmosphere, like just perfect. So who knows, maybe next year I will fly myself to Melbourne and I'll be there with you all. And also secondly, uh, sorry if my internet has been absolutely terrible today, if I sound like a robot or anything like that, because maybe for some you reason, may have sound a little bit like R2-D2, I'm not sure. Meet, 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 um, meet, meet. I am going to try and do this live uh, on team wcf1 i'm gonna ring tommy and see if i can get a final thought from him <laughs> oh, no. okay so this is team wcf1 exclusive on team... well and also on the podcast uh, oh, okay. we might edit it out depending on what he says let's see if he picks up he's probably not going to pick up uh, in which case i'll just answer for him um that he's crying if he doesn't pick up he's he's crying Welcome to the... Oh, no. Okay, no. so Tommy's crying. I, I thought I'd try it anyway. Yeah, but, uh, what a but, yeah, shot. Tommy's final thought is, I am still sad. Uh, and my final thought is... Hello, Ferrari. <laughs> you it. have a go at me for having a terrible final thought. <laughs> no, my final hello, thought is uh, looking forward to the, the sprint. Yeah, hello, Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Imola sprint. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how a boring track may be evolved by the different format. I think that could be something to, to definitely watch out for. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, 
thank you everybody thank you to team wtf1 for watching us live on the monday if you want to join team wtf1 there is a link in the description to find out more wtf1.com forward slash team wtf1 uh what else hashtag wtf1 podcast if you want to get involved oh. in oh i have one i have another thing i want to mention because in case okay. you haven't watched our um friday podcast but we won the podcast award that we used to go on about every single week to vote for we won the sports podcast week we, we told them told on the everyone, Friday right? one, but that's it. So if you're just listening to the race review podcast, you might not know. We, we, yeah, we are an award-winning We're an award-winning podcast. podcast. How on earth did that happen? No idea. Still no. don't think anybody but thank listens you anyway. to us, but yeah, Amazing. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for listening to our waffle. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, and maybe we'll have waffles on a podcast once just to celebrate oh. how much yeah, waffle waffles we talk. Yeah, all oh, street waffles. Okay. Yeah, nice. Love that. Right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you to Katie for joining me. And we will see you in a couple of weeks for the next podcast because we have got a week break uh, before we head to Imola the following weekend. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Lots of love. Bye-bye. I'm off for a nap. Bye. Bye. okay cool so your your internet katie was absolutely horrendous at the end there i don't understand what's going on because it's nothing's changed and i live so, in an what, area where what i'll really need you to do I know Team WTF1 are still here, but um, I'll need you to send your file to Benji because I feel like that will be less laggy because you're recording your own file, if you see what yeah. I mean. Uh, so if you're able to do that, that would be good. Um, yeah, cool. Team Why WTF1, thank you, for, thank you for, for being involved. Yeah, I could tell as well when I'm talking to you, there's like this half a second delay between <laughs> me saying something and then you responding. Because I'll be like, blah, 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 joke. And then you'll be like... <laughs> And it just, yeah, it's quite funny. It's quite funny. But hopefully it wasn't too bad uh, for all of you watching. Um, we do appreciate yeah, sorry, guys. I don't know what was going on because I think as well when I said I, your your audio cut out and everybody in the chat was like, no, I hear you fine. And I was like, oh, okay, what the nerf's going on there? Yeah. So, I was like, what's going on? I haven't touched anything. Yeah. I Maybe we know. need to get, we need to start a GoFundMe to get Katie a new laptop. I think that's what, that, that was needs to happen really. Yeah. Um, yeah so there you go uh, thank you everybody tech team the people the tech team yeah we have a big team here at wtf1 uh thank you everybody for uh coming and joining and watching and for supporting us as always through team wtf1 lots of love ray d enjoy your sleep 1am where you are i'm glad you enjoyed the podcast uh, sorry that tommy wasn't here uh, he will return as i say but uh, in the meantime you'll just have myself and katie vibing so yeah thank you everybody for watching uh we'll see you very soon for another team wtf1 activity keep an eye on your emails and keep and join the discord if you haven't already which is a team wtf1 thing where you find out lots of stuff about what's happening whether it's gaming with matt or whether it's an, an event that we're doing or whether it's clubhouse or whether it's a live podcast good stuff bye